0: I love being here on Sundays. Does anybody else like being on here on Sundays? <laughs> Am I the only one? I, I mean, I love showing up. I love getting to to worship. And to be honest, that's that's like my favorite part. You know, I just I love declaring and singing and shouting and sometimes, you know, knocking my wife's head with my hand because I'm just, I'm just, you know, I need I need some I need some space here, you know. I wish sometimes we'd just let you roam around the building to worship, but man, I love that. I love the encouragement I get. I love the, the fellowship. I love the conversations I get to have. And, and maybe that, that, that same thing is for you. you. You just love Sundays, you're all about Sundays. Um, but what if I told you that Sunday church, there, there was more to our faith than just Sunday church. There was more to um, what we do and how we live than just showing up on Sundays. You know, what, what do you mean by that, Jacob? I, you know, Sundays is, Sundays is good for me, it's all I need. Well, what were the songs we sang last week? What was the sermon we preached on two weeks ago? What were the conversations you had or the people that you met that you have now forgot their name and you're sitting right next to them and you're thinking, my gosh, I, I do not know who I'm sitting next to you. And, and they told me last week. Um, here's the truth and I want you to write this down. If you're taking any notes today and I'm just kind of introing this where we're going as we talk about um, community, but there is more that God has for you than just your Sunday attendance. There is more that God has for you than just your Sunday attendance. You know, well, Sundays is all I need and and I do it once a month and I'm good with it once a month. Um, And that's not not what I'm saying, you know, you don't have to show up to church anymore because you need this. It's like the food that I ate last week. I don't remember what it was, but I know I needed it. I forgot it, but I know it was good for me. If I could go back 10 years, 20 years, some of you a few years and say, I am who I am today because of who God is and because of the community that I had on Sundays. I couldn't tell you the, the, the songs necessarily. I couldn't tell you the messages necessarily. Heck. We couldn't even remember the messages we preach sometimes. He's <laughs> like, speak for yourself. Uh, but there's so much more than just what we do here on Sundays. And w- what if I told you life was best experienced in the context of community? What if I told you life was best experienced together? Could there be something um, also other than Sunday church that maybe there, is, there are things that we are missing that we could have, that we could get, that we need? Could there be freedom found aside from Sunday church? Could there be healing found aside from Sunday church? And the answer to all those is yes. And that's through what was started in the book of Acts long ago, not just the meeting in the temples, but the meeting in the homes. Somebody say small groups. Now I know what you're thinking. Some of you you, you are experts in small groups. You've led one, you've been in one, you are professionals. Maybe you don't know what small groups are. And to disappoint you, no, they're not for small people. Um. But there's so much good. There's so much life. There's there so much to this. And, and maybe you're interested and maybe you're thinking, man, I've been showing up to church on Sundays for quite some time. or I've been watching online, but, but I know there's something more. I know there's something more for me. I, I, I wanna go deeper. I wanna, I wanna worship longer. I wanna talk to people in the lobby without my wife dragging me to the car longer. I just, I, just, I just want that. I want it. Where can I get it? Where there's an answer. You know, we've said this before, we're inspired in rows, but we grow in circles. We're inspired in rows, like, like you're sitting in today. Maybe, maybe you're inspired, maybe you're encouraged, maybe you're just like checking it off on your list so you can go home and, and uh, get ready to watch football, which by the way, starts the next week, NFL, unless you're a college fan, that already started. Sorry to disappoint you all Hurricanes fans, but uh, there's so much more to this. And we can be inspired on Sundays, but we grow in circles. So church, let's hop in some circles, all right? Not right now, but soon. Let's hop in some circles. Let's grow together. Here's the title of today's message. Together is better. Together is better. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you. We love you. And Lord, there is so much about your word that we just do not know. And so Father, as we dive in it together, would would your Holy Spirit reveal things, not just to me, but everybody in this room. Would you allow us to see you for who you really are? the loving God, the kind God, the God that also says, repent of your sins and sin no more, God? Would we also see that God, a God full of grace, full of love, full of truth? And Lord, as we talk about community and togetherness, would we we be open to maybe what you have to show us and offer us today? Lord, your word, which does not return void, would it change us, would it challenge us, would it shape us? We do pray for the Miami Dolphins this season, that they would have a miracle year. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> Come on, turn, turn to somebody next to you and tell them, together is better. Together is better. I don't know, we might need to pray a little harder than that. I'm move this up. Um, you know, this is definitely going to be a bit more of a uh, practical teaching. You know, traditionally, we, we're, we're a verse-by-verse church. And, um, but every uh, few times a year, we're going to talk on small groups because uh, we're firm believers in it. And many of you know this to be true. It's radically changed your life. Sunday Church has been amazing. It's been the best thing, but there's been a whole nother thing that you, you once you got in, you realized how important it was for you, right? Once you stepped into you realized that community and relationships was really how God designed us to be. And so we're, we're gonna give maybe, um, if you know all about it, we're gonna give you some new, uh, some new language. And so for the next two weeks, my, my dad, our senior pastor and I, we're gonna discuss what, what our small groups here will look like and, and why they exist and why they're important and how through scripture God has created this and the early church has you know, established it. And so I, I wanna bring some clarity, I wanna break down some things, I, I do wanna teach a little bit as well. But if life is best experienced and understood together, then, then we gotta know this, yeah? We, we have to know this. If, if God created us to not be alone and he designed us to be in relationships with people, then we have to know this. If God is creating us to, to be in community and to experience growth and to experience a walk with the Lord that is stronger than ever because we're with people, then we need this. Come on, tell somebody next to you, you need this. I need this. If, if we're going to discover our purpose and affect and impact the community around us, then we have to fight for this. And, and I promise you, it's... It's not gonna be easy, but if you wanna be around like-minded people, if you wanna have real authentic relationships, then this is worth fighting for. This is, this is worth fighting for, but it's gonna take some work. It's gonna take some, some effort. It's gonna take some vulnerability. It's gonna take some transparency. I'll, I know some of you hate that word, transparency, but it's gonna take some sacrifice. But are, are you willing to do it if you knew that it would change your life? And so I wanna answer three questions today, real simple. One, why do small groups exist? Two, what are small groups? And uh, three, which small group is for you? Maybe you already have community, maybe you already have some friends, maybe you already do life with other people, maybe that's your community right there, maybe that's it. And so maybe it's not just pointing you to something that you need to be in, but it's giving you some language to something that you are already in. So um, why do small groups exist? Small groups exist to have one purpose, Amongst many purposes, the main purpose is to bring people together. Somebody say together. God has clearly designed us to be in relationship with people. He's created us to be in community. In fact, we believe that life change happens in the context of relationships. And so as a church grows larger, we must also grow smaller. As a church says, you know, we're going to reach as many people as possible for the message of Jesus Christ to share our faith, Um, we're also going to grow smaller and care for the community that's here. We're not going to forget about you. We're not just just concerned about the people outside of the church. We're also concerned about the people inside the church. So we grow bigger as we grow smaller. And a lot of this you're going to see has been already established in the book of Acts. So go with me to the book of Acts chapter 5. And I want to give you some context. And I'm actually going to start from chapter 5 and I'm going to go back to chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. It's going to be on the screen. I'm going to be preaching out of the NIV. You know, Jesus has ascended to heaven and he leaves behind who? The Holy Spirit. And you have all these apostles, all his disciples, all, all the main crew of Jesus up in this upper room and the Holy Spirit, you know, sweeps through and everybody is filled and baptized by the Spirit of God. And then you've got Peter who's the main, you know, one of the main disciples who's now empowered by the Spirit of God and he stands up and he addresses thousands of people. We don't know how many. All we know is that 3,000 plus people came to the Lord. 3,000 3, people, just like that, one sermon. And now you've got all these people who are wondering, well, what do we do? Now that we're somewhat like-minded, where do we start? And there we find community. There we find the very start of the first church, the very start of what we're gonna talk about today, small groups. And it says this in verse 42, Acts chapter five, verse 42. It says, Paul day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is Christ. Somebody say day after day. Now, it's important to, to kind of rewind a bit because, you know, the 3,000 people that got saved was in Acts chapter 2, and so now we're here in Acts chapter 5. In the meantime, there's been a bunch of persecution. You know, Jesus was crucified on a cross. They were already experiencing persecution. But now this, this rapid growth of Christianity, this rapid growth of believers, all of a sudden, there's a rapid growth of persecution, and so people begin to scatter, but, but they, they, don't, they don't back down. What's interesting is they begin to grow more despite the persecution. Despite what they're facing, they're willing to fight to continue meeting together. And I just look around our world and I, and I know we as believers here in this nation have experienced maybe a little bit of persecution, but look what's going on in Korea. Look what's going on in China. Look what's going on in Afghanistan right now. You've got people being murdered for who they believe in. You've got people... Who who are now modern-day martyrs for their faith because of the Christian and the Bible that they read and love and the Jesus that they serve. And so these were people who were willing to fight for it, even if it meant death. I wonder if that would be us today. But day and day, they continue to meet despite the persecution. Day and day, they decided to say, you know what? We're going to keep this going. We're going to keep making this possible. And so you've got these apostles who are now being, being dragged by the Sanhedrin, which is the Supreme Court. They're being beaten. They're being flogged. And there's a moment earlier in chapter 5 where Peter and John are faced before the Sanhedrin. And the Sanhedrin, the court, they're essentially saying, we're going we're to stop this spread of the gospel. We're going to stop this message of Jesus because we just don't want it. And we don't like it. And we're actually unsure about it. You know, there's a lot of things that we might be unsure of and therefore we're hesitant to step into it just because we're unsure of. Sometimes God has wanting you to step into the uncertainty so you can find certainty, right? And so, so they're, they're, they're uncertain and they're like, we're just, gonna, we're just gonna not have this, we're gonna cease this. And, and if you go back to verse, I don't know what it is, 38 or so or 29, one of the verses in the, in, in the Bible, <laughs> um, P- Peter responds, he says, we must obey God rather than men we must obey God rather than men you know I think that phrase is is not often used and I also think it's often abused I think we maybe pulled that card too much I can't do it I'm a believer but I think at times church we need to stand up and and we need to say we will not obey man because we are in faithful obedience to God Therefore, it contradicts my faith. It contradicts what I believe. It contradicts where I stand my ground. And I will not compromise. We got too many Christians compromising these days. Too many believers who, who are um, concerned about the uncertainty and what they may receive or what they may get or what benefits they may not have anymore. And so, therefore, they step, they flee, they run. But Paul, even though he is facing death, he stands and he says, We do not serve men. We do not obey man, but we who? We obey God. And, and there's this bystander. He's a, he's a Jewish rabbi. His name is Gamaliel, if that's how you even say it. And, and Gamaliel is listening to what's going on. And he's seeing this case. He's seeing the, the accusations. And he's seeing Paul and, 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 or Peter and John defend themselves. And, and, and he's experienced this. He's watching this. And so he steps up. A Jewish rabbi is listening. And he's like, I have some words to say. I want you to know something. And he begins to tell these Sanhedrin people that, you know, there was a bunch of people who had movements and had a lot of followers and they just ceased. Essentially, let this thing run its course. And he goes on to say in verse 38, this is Gamaliel speaking, in a sense defending the apostles of Jesus. He says, therefore, in the present case, I advise you. I mean, I love to say that to some people today. I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go, for if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourself fighting against God. Church, I'm here to tell you the church did not stop then, and it's not going to stop now. There is no disease, no sickness, no politics, no plans or enemies or schemes of the enemy that will cease what God is doing here in his church. Amen? He even said it back to Peter back in Matthew 16. He said, Peter, I will build my church. I will build my church on the rock that you stand, and the gates of hell will not prevail. Amen. No enemy, no, no death, no sickness, nothing is going to conquer and stop what God is establishing here today and what God has established here today. And so if it's of human origin, Gamaliel would say, it's going to stop. But it's, if it's from God, then uh, good luck. Because if, as, if I could quote my dad, if God said it, then that settles it. Doesn't <laughs> no matter what you say, that no matter how you feel, that no matter how emotion led you are, if, it's, if God has said it, then, um, then he looks to the Sanhedrin, then, then God has settled it. The persecution they're facing, the opposition they're facing is an attempt to cease what God was doing and it had failed because the people were already together. The people were already doing life together. They they, they were saved, they believed, and they quickly formed a community. And so so if there was more than just Sunday church, if if there was more that we could receive from, if there was healing found, if there was freedom found, um, then then I wanna be all about it. I wanna get in it. I wanna make sure that I'm prioritizing this. You know, the, the temple courts, as the scripture would say, would be similar to Sunday church today. And then the meeting in homes would be similar to small groups today. So what do they offer? I'm going to give you two things. This is, again, question number one. I'm going to give you three questions. I'm going to spend just some time on these two questions. And I'll close with the third one. Then maybe I'll have four or five more. We'll, we'll see. It's two things of what small groups offer. Amongst many things, I'm going to give you two. One, small groups will help you connect. Again, when, when Pentecost took place and 3,000 came to know the Lord, there. They were starting what was known as the early church. And if I go back to Acts chapter 2, verse 42, Acts 2, verse 42. I'll flip in my Bible so you can flip in your Bible or scroll through your phone. Uh, 42, it says they devoted. Somebody say devoted. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. It says everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. It said all the believers, somebody say all All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. These people recognized that they could not do this alone. They were not meant, they were not designed. God had created them to be in community. It was essential for them to connect. It was essential for them to share life with other people. And it's, it's challenging because I think many of us and many of you at times, you lack that community. I mean, here's a question for you. Do, do you have that connection? Did you have that connection? And the connection that you have, is there community there? Or the community that you have, is there a connection there? Because my heart breaks for people that don't. My heart breaks for people that are lonely. My heart breaks for people that don't have anybody. My heart breaks for people that don't have community. My heart breaks for them if they had to wake up, go to work, and they go to sleep, and that's it. And, and, and many people are there, and they're asking God, God, we're praying for friends. We're, we're praying for community. God, I'm, I'm praying for connection, and God is saying, um, before you receive the friends, why don't you just be the friend? I just think sometimes we're asking too much, and God is only asking a little, You're asking for a lot, God would say. I'm just wanting you to step into a friendship. Be a friend rather than ask for friends. You want that community. You've been praying for that community. Perhaps God is wanting you to step into a community. Again, it's going to take some effort. It's going to take some vulnerability. It's going to take some sacrifice. It's going to take some work. But what you receive, what you get from it is far greater than what you will lack. And so I gotta fight for that. Maybe you've been praying for God to give you some connections. God, I'm just, I'm just praying for some connections. God is saying, I want you to step into some connections. I'm, I'm presenting these things around you. I have strategically placed people around you who will connect with you, who will love you, who will help you. What are you doing? Where are you at? You gotta fight for it. Are you fighting for it? Small groups will help you connect and find friendship, find community, community. Um, has anybody been there before? You haven't had that? Man, it's been tough. You've been by yourself. You've been lonely. It's like, man, where's everybody at? You go to text, look at your phone, and you have any, no text messages, no missed calls, except the 12 spam calls they call you about <laughs> refinancing your house. And they will help you connect. Secondly, they, they, they will help you grow. Why do they exist? They'll help you connect, and they'll help you grow. I want to give you just a few passages. Proverbs 27, 17. Some of you know this. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. You know, when when you, there's a mutual benefit from rubbing two blades together. Not only are they now sharpened, but they are now more effective. And as a church, if we can be sharpened together, we now become effective. And if we do not sharpen each other, we become less effective and we actually perhaps become less useful. And so what do we do? We go back to Acts 2, 42, to devote ourselves to the teachings, devote ourselves to the fellowship Devote ourselves to the breaking of bread. Devote ourselves to prayer. Imagine what it would look like if on a weekly basis you were around like-minded people. You had real, authentic relationships. You were praying with each other. You were talking about the word. You were concerned about the needs of your small group, the needs of your community, the needs of your church. Imagine what would look different in your life. Imagine how much that would change. Man, I go to church once a month, that's all I need. No, that's not all you need. Yes, God wants more than just your Sunday attendance, but he wants you to have real community. He wants you to grow. He wants you to mature in your walk. We have to, we've talked about this plenty of times. We've got to leave the milk. We've got to step into the solid food. It's, it's tough once, once a month showing up to church. It's tough not having any godly friends. It's tough working in an ungodly environment. I get that. So Find some. Find some brothers, find some sisters that you can step into, that you can be honest with, that you can be vulnerable with. It's gonna take some sacrifice. It's gonna take an effort, but I promise you, it'll be worth it. But God is sharpening, God is strengthening, and God is making more effective. Psalm 133 says how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Somebody say unity. And with so much division, I don't need to tell you, division in our nation, division in our politics, division in our science, even division in our churches. Why can't we rally together as a church hand in hand and say, we're gonna do this together. We're gonna focus on what brings us together rather than what separates us. I'll say it this way, God is uniting what the enemy is dividing. God is bringing unity to where the enemy is trying to cause division. And we've gotta fight for that. We've gotta fight to stay together. We've gotta fight to agree on the things that matter. Major on the majors, minor on the minors. And, and we've got so much division, even amongst our friends groups, because all we like to do is talk about things that divide us. I think somebody in your friend group just needs to stand up and say, enough is enough. Let's talk about things that matter. Let's talk about things that bring us together. Not bring us apart, or else I'm, I'm going to find a new friend group. I'm going to find a new small group. I'm going to find a different place to, to live because I just, I can't, I can't, this isn't good for my soul. It's good to have those conversations. It's good to talk about things that, that maybe we have disagreements with, but if that's all what you do and that's all who you hang out with, then it's time to say what Jesus said. Get behind me, Satan. Time to find some new friends. There's another scripture that Ecclesiastes 4.12 says, Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. You know this alone you are no match. Alone you are unprotected. But a family that's together, a community that's together, a city that's together, a church that's together can stand and it and it can last and it can defeat the schemes and the divisiveness of the enemy. It can. But but we we've got to remain together. We have to be diligent and devote our times to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to the teachings and to prayer. I believe that that God is bringing restorations back to marriages. I'm gonna pray and believe that God is bringing prodigal sons and daughters back to families. And I'm believing that God is gonna bring community to the ones who have isolated themselves, to the ones who have separated themselves, to the ones who have uh, put themselves over here in a corner. I believe God is gonna bring community to those individuals. And I pray it happens here. And And I pray it starts with you. And so small groups will help us connect, it'll help us grow. And There are many other reasons in doing small groups and the fact that it'll bring us to the potential that God has for us and, and has for you but but what do they look like? What do they look like because you know is it really for small people or is it is it because you may have a preconceived notion of what you think a small group looks like if you haven't been in one before and and, and that could be scary because uh, um, I know small groups like what you're probably thinking um, i've seen those and, and maybe I've been in those uh, but but here at VLC, we have what's called, and this may give you some new language. Maybe you can write this down. This, we have like a free market approach to small groups. Somebody say free market. Again, this is going to be a little practical in breaking down some of the government that we have here in, in our organization of small groups. But it's something that we're going to talk for the rest of our lives here, as long as VLC and God allows us to do this. This is important. We're not making this stuff up. This is stuff that's already in Scripture. This is stuff that's already working. This is stuff that God has already put his stamp of approval on. And so we're going to say, let's, let's, let's do it this way. And maybe this is how you've been doing it. We have a free market approach. It's this idea of saying, what do you already do? Where do you already find yourself in? What, what are your giftings? What are your interests? What, what, are, what are the things that you enjoy the most? Let's give it now purpose. Let's, let's, let's allow you to be intentional now. Let's, let's add some spiritual components to what you are already doing. And let's, let's let it be life-giving and life transformation. For let, let's let God do what only God can do with where you already are. We're not asking you to come join some, some cult and, and we're gonna give you a hat and we're gonna give you a, a pamphlet, although we do have pamphlets, and maybe we'll have hats, I don't know. Uh, but we're not, we're not asking you to come and, just, and, and do what we do and we're gonna tell you what to say, we're gonna tell you what to, to proclaim, we're gonna tell you what to preach, we're gonna tell you how to do it and who to do it with. it's well, not what we're saying. We'll have some of those things. We're saying, do what you already do and do it with purpose. Do it with purpose. Do it with this idea that I will never stop sharing the message of Jesus Christ with everyone around me. Do it with purpose. There's a relational connection that's happening best because people are gathering around things that they like. Paul said it in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 22. He said, when I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness. For I want to bring the weak to Christ. He says, I try to find common ground. Somebody say common ground. I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. I try and find common ground. There are giftings inside of you. There are interests inside of you, and there are giftings and interests in other people. There is common ground with people around you. I just think the only solution we've always thought is we've got to bring them to church. That's it. God is going to save them there. And my dad used to say this all the time. Stop putting all the pressure on the pastor to save your friends. You be Jesus to them. And you bring them here and I don't preach a good message and they don't respond. And you're like, come on, pastor, what are you doing? Take, you just take them to a new church. We put so much emphasis on that. And, and yes, that is good. And yes, we want that. We want you to invite your friends. We wanna do everything we can to spread the message of Jesus as far as we can. But we also want you to go out into your community because you can reach people that we can't reach. You can do things that we can't do. You're gonna have a, a bigger net. And this is what this free market approach does. It casts a bigger net and it brings people to church that would never come to church. I'm not saying you're now gonna be the pastor and you're gonna start your own little, little church. I'm just saying you're gonna be a small group leader with, with some oversights. And the end goal is to, for them to experience a life-giving community where they know that Jesus is the only thing that they need because he is enough. And, and that's what can take place. So do what you're already doing. We're not asking you to change everything up. It could be sports, it could be food, it could be reading, it could be creative arts, it could be business or parenting, the list goes on. I just think um, our preconceived notion of a small group is we gotta show up to a house we got to take our shoes off. I hate when people tell me to take my shoes off. (laughs) Right? I got somebody nodding back there. I mean, come on. Amen. Hallelujah. Don't tell me to take my shoes off. That's just, that's just weird. Right? Like, let me wear my shoes. My feet hanging out, putting them on your, your, your coffee table. Like just let me wear my shoes. But that's just what we think. We show up, we show up to some house, we take our shoes off, we lay our mat down, we get on our knees and we, we, we meditate and you know, somebody is lighting the candles behind us or something like that, you know, <laughs> dragging the smoke thing around us. And then we're, we're praying and we're confessing sins and like, you know, it's like, all right, Johnny, what have you sinned today? And, and it's just like, man, and then it's midnight and now I'm going to bed late, waking up late. And my whole day is ruined and I'm, I'm never joining a small group again. That is a depressing small group, all right? Uh, to, to write this down. Small groups are not life draining. They are life giving. They are life giving. Small groups are not life draining their life giving and uh you know back in uh, march 2020 i don't know if you recall what took place in march 2020 but uh this pandemic started and we were you know sent to our homes and april 22nd which was a month later my wife and i were in the hospital having a baby our second child it's crazy wild yeah she just, i didn't do nothing I, right? i did help her like visualize bouncing on that ball that, that was pretty cool i enjoyed that and, uh, you know, it was crazy because it was a different experience being in the hospital during this pandemic. Everybody was at home and, you know, family couldn't be there. And um, so, so now we're taking this child home and, you know, I'm, I'm, at, I'm working from home and I'm there now. I've got a, a newborn and then I've got a toddler we're trying to potty train. And so, you know, it was hell at the house for, for a little bit, you know, just, just to be honest. Just, if I can just, excuse my French, but that's what it was. It, and, and my wife just does an amazing job. And here I am like, man. Being a parent, staying at home is hard work. <laughs> but what you don't know is back in February, my church that I was a part of, we launched small groups. And I got into a, a small group with a bunch of guys, and we were a basketball group. And so we'd meet every single Thursday night, and we'd meet for the first about half hour inside the church, and we'd go over scripture, we'd pray together, and we'd minister to each other, and it was, it was awesome. And then we'd go, you know, take out our aggression and anger on the, on the bas- basketball court for a couple hours. But then when we were faced with quarantine in March, we went to Zoom. And I know a lot of you love Zoom. I could go back to those moments where, um, you know, my sanity was tested. My faith was our our faith was tested. It was just like, wow, God, we did not realize raising two kids in the middle of all this is just going to be this this chaotic. Maybe I'm maybe I'm exaggerating a little bit, all right? But uh, um, I go back to some of the greatest moments that I had were on those Zoom calls with with my basketball group. We weren't playing basketball. We were just talking about the Lord. We went through like a devotional plan and it was one of the most life-giving things that I ever was part of. And still to this day, although that group has no longer exists, some of those guys in that group are my best friends today. And I do life with them almost on a weekly basis. It was back in February, 2020, that I stepped into a community. They didn't drain me. They didn't wear me out, but they encouraged me. They loved me. They, they helped me. They were like, we got you. You can do this. You can potty train them, you know, you can, you got it. And I'm like, I don't got this. <laughs> my wife's got this, but I don't. But, uh, you, you know, and that was, man, it was just one of the most incredible moments that I go back with. And still to this day, God is using that group and those friends, my best friends, to shape me, encourage me. God is wanting for you to be a part of a life-giving small group. Amen. I think of the passage in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. Go there if you have your Bibles. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 26. It says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us just consider how how we can. I mean, so much of it is. What am I going to get today? Where am I going to go today? But no, let us consider how we can spur and encourage one another. So now my my mindset is when I approach a small group or I attend Sunday service or I'm going to work, it's not, God, I got to do this so I get a paycheck. But God, can I consider today how I may effectively love somebody and encourage somebody today? Come on, it just changes everything. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up on meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, as we all had to do back in 2020. We could not meet, we were all online. And then when things started to open up, we started to open up, we kind of inched our way into church and then we realized we can come back to church. But some people were like, I'm good at home. Or I'm just good not going to church. And I've just heard pastor and pastor share how many people have just decided that they no longer wanted to be a part of church during quarantine. They no longer even wanted to watch They just were like, I'm good. And so let us not develop habits of separation. Let us not develop habits of division. Let us not develop habits of isolation. Because if the enemy can isolate you and divide you, then guess what? He's going to conquer you. And so I I, I feel bad for those who are isolated. And at times, we can be isolated. I understand. But to live in that lifestyle of loneliness, of isolation... The enemy is all over you and all around you and is destroying you, maybe, because you have decided to separate yourself from the one thing that God loves, the thing that God has established, the thing that God is saying, I need you to be a part of a life-giving community. You have developed a habit of not meeting together. That was a lot. I didn't mean to say all that. Let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. You know, this is, a, this is such an incredible passage because it definitely changes our perspective on how we approach things and how we approach groups of people. Again, it's not about what I can get. We've said this, but it's about what I can give. It's not what I can get from it, but it's how I can contribute to it. And so I approach Sundays differently. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready to receive God. I'm ready to, I'm ready to, to, to get it. I'm ready to, I can, it could can be life receiving, but it's also gotta be life giving. All right, God, I'm coming to church today. Who, who do I need to talk to? Who, who, who do I need to pray with? Who, who do I need to have a conversation with that I can maybe help uh, uh, pray for or help um, you know, with a need in their life? God, is there, is there somebody I can minister to today? That's a different approach. God, I'm going to the small group. I know what book we're studying. I know what activity we're doing. But more so than just having fun. More so than just watching a show. God, is, is there somebody here that I can encourage? Is there somebody here that I can that I can give life to rather than just receive it? Can I can I give it? I just wonder what encouragement so many have been missing out on because um, we've just not wanted this. We've developed a habit of separation and and we have not stepped into any community because we're okay by ourselves. In fact, it's, it's better by ourselves, so we think. And we've missed out. And you could go back probably months, years, 10 years, 20 years, 60 years, 100 years if anybody is over 100 in a year. And you can maybe remember those times where you had nobody. And you fell and nobody was there to pick you up. And, and you would say the same thing David said and, or Solomon, his son said in Ecclesiastes 4.10, he says, I pity anybody who falls and has nobody to pick him up. I don't want that to be you. I don't want it to be me. And so we understand that together is better. Come on, somebody say it. Together is better. Could your small group be a basketball group? Sure. Could it be where you take your shoes off as you enter somebody's house and uh, light the candles and do the smoke thing? I I, I don't know. Uh, Could it be that? Sure. If that's what you want to do, if that's what your small group's into, Yeah. But um, it's got to—it's got to have some purpose. It's got to—you've got to be intentional. This, this free market approach kind of categorizes all the small groups that we have, whether it's men's, women's, students. We have—we uh, have a freedom group, which is kind of like a recovery group, but it's not just from addicts. It's from people who are struggling with unforgiveness or bitterness or have a lot of pain and hurt in their life. We have—we have small groups for that. There's—there's there's, there's a ton, and regardless of it, there's people doing life together forming authentic relationships and connecting and growing. There's another side of this that I want to just briefly hit and then I'll answer that third question and we'll be out of here. And that's there's a confessing side to this, all right? In the book of James, chapter five, verse 16, he writes, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be what? Healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Remember, when we confess our sins to God, we are what? Forgiven. Remember the passage in 1 John 1, 9, maybe, I think? I'm pretty sure it's right. Confess your sins to God, and he is faithful and just to forgive you and purify you of all unrighteousness. So when we confess our sins to God, he is faithful and just to forgive us of those sins. But when we confess our sins to each other, as I just read, we will receive healing. And so I find forgiveness... In my confession to God, and I find healing in my confession to others. And so I confess to others knowing that the people I'm confessing to are gonna respond in love and grace to bring healing. And so I find healing by confessing to the ones around me. I'm not asking you to stand up on the stage and we're gonna give you the mic and let us all have it. You know, what's the week like been? You know, that's not what we're saying. What I am saying is find a group of people. Find a community of people. Find some friends, some brothers and sisters. Pray for those that God would put them in your life so you can experience healing, so you can experience freedom. I love what John Piper said, Christian community will not be marked by secretiveness. My faith will not be secret. My struggles will not be secret. Now, my struggles don't need to be out there for everybody, but my struggles should be out there for somebody because if you want help, somebody has got to know. If you're struggling in sin, somebody has got to know. Not to judge you or condemn you or cast you out. That's not our goal. But our goal would be to heal you and to restore you and to help you find freedom because some of us have not experienced that freedom yet. Some of us are, are not only faith has been secretive, but our sins have been secretive. Our struggles have been secretive. Nobody knows about them and here we are, like David says, because of fear of judgment, because of, of, of not maybe living up to somebody's standards, we decide to just remain secret. And, and he says this in Psalm 32, verse three, he says, when I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away and I groaned all the day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Jesus, Jesus didn't die on the cross so your sin's could be kept hidden. Jesus died on the cross so your sins could be forgiven. That's the Jesus we serve and that's the community that he is wanting you to be in. Perhaps today we step into something for the very first time and we experience something that we've never experienced together. Real life change happens in the context of real, authentic relationships. Real life change happens in the context of real, authentic relationships maybe we're missing out. So which small group is for you? We've answered the why and we've answered the what and there's certainly a lot more of the what and our pastor is going to talk about that next week. He's going to expand a little bit more of what the what looks like here at Victory Life Church and the small groups that we have here but um, and there's probably a lot more of the why and, you, and maybe you've been in small groups for quite some time, and you're like, there, there's so much more. I, I just got a whole, I got 17 pages that I want to give you of why small groups are important and how much they've changed my life. But um, I, can't, I can't teach 17 pages, you know, on a Sunday. Maybe do it in a small group. That would be cool. So, so what small group is for you? Well, all of our small groups contain four components. Like I said, you know, we may have some more activity-based small groups, more discussion-based small groups, but all of them will have fellowship there'll be some type of activity or discussion, there will be prayer and there will be a spiritual component. If you're eager to dive deeper in the word, if you're eager to learn more about the scriptures, if you're eager to talk about the things of God and to know the word and to spend a lot of time in the word, find a more discussion-based small group. Find some people who are like-minded and say, look, we're gonna open this thing up. We don't know where we're gonna go. We're just gonna open it up or we're gonna have a plan or we're gonna do a sermon-based. I love sermon-based. If you're like, what do I do what, if you're a small group leader here? You've been one before. It's like, i got to write my own sermons. i got to raise kids. i got to work. I don't have time for that. I don't get to, to be a, you know, whatever. Uh, but I need some help. And so we, we offer, we'll give you the recap of the sermon, and we'll give you a few questions. And then you just get together, and you recap the sermon. You can preach it, or you can whatever, and then you ask some questions. And then you could be discussing what God is doing in your life and through what's been taught for quite some time. Maybe you're like, man, I, I got such a personal walk with God. I'm just doing so well. I, I need some community. I need some activity. I need some hobbies. I, I want to I lose some holes on the, on the belts, You know, I want to I get out there and run around a little bit. Find an activity-based one. You know, find one that's outside. Find one that you're doing something that you already like. Maybe you're really into, like, food or you're really into some, some show or you're really into, I don't know, you're really into stuff. Just do that stuff. But make sure you bring a spiritual component to it. Make sure you're praying for your people. Make sure you're encouraging them. Make sure you're concerned about their soul. Not just about having a fun time, having a good time. Because if if we do a year of just having a good time, well, we're just gonna have a good time. And there's a lot of people having a good time that are gonna go to hell. And so I don't want to be a small group that's just having a good time. I've got 12 people in my small group. Nobody knows the Lord. Nobody even knows what the numbers in the Bible mean. It's just it's hilarious. But we're having a good time. That's not. That's not what we're asking you to do. We're asking you to talk about the message of Jesus Christ, the life-changing message, the life-giving message. It'll change anybody. Remember, God will draw people to him. God will knock at the heart of people who are far from him. And God is giving everybody a chance and an opportunity to step into this. And perhaps today we are going to decide that this is what I need. This is what I need. I have locked community, I have locked relationships. This is what I need, but I don't have time. I have an answer for that too. I don't have time, I'm too busy. I can't commit for a year or two years. We're asking you to commit, not a year or two years. We're gonna break this up into like two big semesters, all right, this may be different language, whatever. I know it sounds like school and a lot of us don't like school, but we're gonna break this up into like 12 weeks in the fall. We're going to ask you to commit for 12 weeks to a small group. We're going to do one in the spring, 12 weeks, maybe one in the summer. I don't know. A lot of you are gone, but we're going to do a small one in the summer. And if your small group meets weekly, then you're meeting 12 times. If you meet biweekly, you're meeting six times. We're saying, will you commit a night or a morning or or a weekend to say, hey, I'll show up for an hour. I'll show up for 30 minutes. I'll show up for two hours. And I'll be a part of this because I know that I need this. I know that this is life-giving. Life transformation is going to take place. I need to step into this. God, this is what I've been asking for. Finally, my church is saying something about it. Finally, I can get into something that'll help change and transform my life. And who knows how life-giving it'll be for you. Who knows how life-changing it'll be for you. There's definitely a lot of questions you may still have. Um, we've got some out on the website. I'm gonna give you the website, vlcministries.com slash groups. We've got some of our team that's gonna be in the lobby and we're gonna do this this week and we're gonna do this next week. And then September 19th, somebody say September 19th. September 19th, It's our son's birthday. Wow, it's crazy. He's gonna be four. I'm raising a four-year-old. I have no idea what I'm doing. It's crazy. Thank God my wife does. But uh, September 19th, we're gonna launch for 12 weeks. And we've got, I wanna say 16, maybe 17 small groups for you. And they meet almost every day of the week, I think, except Monday. I don't know why nobody wanted to meet on a Monday. The Mondays, right? But uh, every other day of the week, we have men's groups, women's groups, you know, everyone's welcome group. Um, We have activity groups, whatever. There's 16. There's some you can choose from. You can look through. You can go to that website, look through. We'll give you a description who's leading it, what it's about, day, the time, all that, whatever. And we hope that God will begin to do something in you that um, you have yet to experience. Would you stand to your feet? Man, I pray and I hope that maybe this is again very practical for you and maybe you're not even part of our church and you're like, yo, I just showed up. It's my first time. Stop trying to get me a part of, you know, committed to 12 weeks of something. Well, we're not asking you, that's okay. Come back on a Sunday. Come back next week. If you're watching online, maybe your first step is to come to an in-person service one day. Maybe it's to say, you know what, God? I, I think I need to um, step into a relationship with you because I, I've been far from you. And I don't even know if I've ever received you. So maybe you're here for the first time and you're saying, Jacob, I don't even know who God is, but everything you've preached has kind of spoken to me in a way that I need to step into something. And if that's you, maybe for the first time today, it's not signing up for a small group, but it's saying, God, I need you. I am a sinner in need of a savior. Maybe for the first time, that's what you're stepping into. I I don't know, but I will tell you this. There is freedom in Christ, there is healing in Christ, there is liberty in Christ. God is good and he wants what's good for you. You've gotta step into it. Church, he is your provider, he is your healer, he is your savior. And I don't know if you know him like I do, but man, God is good to me. He is my father, he is my friend, he is everything. When I am low, when I am weak, he is there and he extends love, he extends grace, but he also extends truth. So when I mess up, God is there to remind me of where I messed up. And so I am so thankful that that is the God I serve. I am so thankful that I get to worship a God. I'm thankful for Sundays. I'm thankful for community. It has changed my life. It has changed my life stepping into a community. And so would you pray with me? Father, we just thank you. God, we love you. You are so good. So many of us are hurting, so many of us are broken, so many of us have so many questions about who you are and what your word says. And God, we know you have all the answers. We know you can do all the miracles. We know you can show us anything at any time. But Lord, I'm reminded in what your scripture says, this faith is not by seeing, but by believing. And so Father, maybe today somebody needs to say, you know what, I'm done trying to watch it. I'm done trying to look at it. I'm done trying to figure it out on myself. I just need to believe. I just need to believe. And if that's anybody in this room, Lord, I, I would just pray that you would stir something in their heart to speak up and admit that they are a sinner in need of a savior. And God, I pray for our community here, our family here at Victory Life Church, and those watching it online. Lord, for many, maybe Sundays has been all, oh, that's been it but they know they need more. Would you encourage them? Would you motivate them to be open, to, to get vulnerable, to be transparent and to step into a community or maybe give a community that they are already in purpose and to say, God, I wanna be a community that's life-giving. I wanna connect, I wanna grow. Lord, I wanna unite myself with like-minded people and form real, authentic relationships so that we can not only transform my life and the lives around us, but the community around us, Jesus. And so we praise you. Come on, if you feel comfortable, church, would you just lift up your hands all across this place? God, we worship you. In an act of surrender, we worship you. God, we thank you for all that you're doing. Lord, you are our provider, Jehovah Jireh. That is enough. There is nothing else that we need. There is nowhere else we need to go. There is no one else we need to look to. God, you are enough. Come on, church, would you sing that out? Would you declare that truth this morning? Jehovah Jireh, come on. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If this has blessed you, would you consider giving a financial gift to help bring this message to more people? You can do that at vlcministries.com give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Here's what we believe, living God's way, everywhere, every way, every day. We love you and God bless.